Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you a conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, especially St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. Take a look at the lineup of reels that Daiwa offers. My goodness, you won't find any better in the business. No reason to look outside the Daiwa lineup if you're looking for a brand new reel. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 everywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to check us out at our website, wefishasa.com. We Fish ASA is recorded and produced at Berserk Productions in Lando Lakes, Florida. Our executive producer is Brad Nearman. Thank you, Bradley. On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnston from St. Croix. We're going to visit with uh, Hank Shaw. James Beard Award-winning chef and author. Going to talk about cooking fish. No catch and release on today's show. Hank Shaw is going to talk about cooking them up the right way. And then I'm going to visit with a guy who just won $205,000. Unbelievable. Yeah, $205,000. Jimmy Washam from Covington, Tennessee. He won the Tackle Warehouse title in Major League Fishing. Huge event, great guy, just won this thing. Uh, yesterday, I'm, filming, I'm taping this within 24 hours of him uh, getting handed that big check. Very cool. Let me flip it over to my partner, Dave Kranz, who is going to introduce you to our old friend, Dan Johnston. Take it away, David. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. And once again, they bring us Dan Johnson. Welcome back, Dan. Hey, Dave. Thanks. Hey, glad to, glad to have you back. And, uh, you know, this uh, time of year, we're, you know, end of August, almost September. Uh, I thought we'd talk about early fall uh, patterns because early fall patterns, stuff happens, fish movement, bait size, lure size, you know, the water start cooling down. And uh, definitely this is... Uh, Something that'll happen later will be the turnover, but this is definitely all pre-turnover uh, mindset is what I'd like to do. And and uh, what's the first sign of things going from where fish are in summer mode to it's starting to turn fall? Is there some signals that you get that that tell you that's about to happen or is happening? Hundred percent. And I didn't know I was going to get this question, but I boy do I have an answer. And it's seagulls following prop wakes you start <laughs> seeing that and you know that bait fish is lifting in the water column which is so indicative of the fall there's two things yeah. going on the bait fish are bigger and they get up in the water column so we start talking about wind we start talking about bigger baits um we start talking about catching one if you find one you might catch 10 because they they wolf pack up um you start talking about the backs of coves uh, heavy wood, you know, all these things that come into play in the fall. There's still fish on rock. There's fish on good available vegetation still. Arguably my favorite time to fish for all species. Yeah, it's a fun time. And um, on the cooling waters, things definitely start to cool down. Even early August, you start seeing the hours of daylight have gone down quite a bit in the morning and the evening. Uh, the cooling waters don't seem to make as much of a difference in the fall as it does in the spring, does it? I don't think it does. If anything, it turns them on. You know, your water is right now in the 80s and, you know, low 80s, mid 80s in some cases. And you get that water down in the, you know, uh, 62 to 72 degrees. That's just the juice for fishing in terms of fish eating and strike strike windows expanding. And all of a sudden you're catching them from 10 till 1 p.m. instead of from 10 till 1030. I mean, it's it's just a great time to fish. Plus, I think. You know where I stand on my faith, Dave. I think all these creatures are programmed, and I think they know that there's a long winter coming, and I think they get to feeding up, and I think the bait fish are designed to get that big, and I think these fish are meant to totally go off on them. So don't be afraid to go bigger with your presentations, whether that's a 
you know, top water bait or, you know, bigger crank baits or all those things uh, can really pay big dividends. And another thing that I would absolutely say is milk a spot for what it's worth, man. I mean, you catch two on a square bill and start with a buzz bait and you catch three, don't think you're KVD and drive on because I'll bet you there's 10 more there looking to bite, whether that's with a shaky head or whatever. And we're talking bass here, but crappie's the same thing, Dave. You can pull up on a, you know, our electronics really tell us this now because you can count them and play eeny, meeny, miny, mo. But there can be, you know, 15 to 20 big crappies on a tree and you catch two of them out of the top of it and leave, man, there's a lot more in there. We need to be creative and mix it up and understand that we're fishing for schools this time of year way more so than we are in the springtime. Other than that early, early, early spring where they're using creek channels to get to spawning areas, they can load up too, but this is even more so. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, uh, and that kind of brings me into uh, early fall patterns. And, and I think to figure that out, you got to figure out what the fish movement is, uh, don't you? Oh, there's no doubt, you know, and I, I think in, in, in lakes, what I would say, when people think fish movement, they immediately think horizontally. Okay, they're going back to the creeks or they're doing, they're going whatever, but it can be vertically as much as horizontally, and especially in lakes, because the shad, uh, which is a real primary food source for uh, these bass and crappie and everything all over North America, they lift in the fall that's what the first comment i made is goals behind prop wakes why is that because that seagull knows that some of these shad are getting mixed up and that boat's running down the lake that doesn't happen in the spring like it does in the fall you'll see flocks of gulls right behind your boat and i drive by these lakes when i travel for work and i see that that's a tell and that happens like overnight all of a sudden you see birds following boats like okay they know more than we do so that tells you it's time you know, and it's a it's a it's a big tell, but it can really pay off to go start fall pattern fishing when you start seeing that. Excellent. So for uh, let, let's say largemouth bass or smallmouth bass, do you have some favorite baits? You said you mentioned that you can uh, go up on lure size. Are there favorite baits for you as these fish start uh, ascending in the water column and, and maybe be, can be caught in deeper water, but not on the bottom or possibly even on on the surface? Yeah, the big topwaters come into play. I really like the big evergreen baits now. I like the big super spooks. Uh, the whopper plopper is a great bait. It's not really my go-to now like it was two years ago. But uh, big topwaters, shallow water. And here's another thing that can blow people's minds is if you find fish in the back of a cove in the wind, you can have pretty decent sized chop and smoke them on a big top water. As long as you use a big enough one where they can find it. The best example I could give you, and that's a giant bladed buzz bait. And you can don't, don't think that you got to throw that thing in slick water. It's sometimes better in a chop. Um, if, especially if there's big fish back there feeding on big bait. So that'd be one. And I'm, I'm still on a 10-inch worm in the fall for bass for sure, but I'm also, you know, for crappies, I'm definitely starting to size up a lot bigger um, with my plastics. I don't use any live bait for crappie, but, uh, and I'll go to blades, you know, some big blades on underspins and that type of thing because the fish are aggressive. They've lifted as well. Uh, so, for example, if I'm fishing a tree in the fall, never, ever, ever will I drop it even down to a limb. I'll always start above that limb because they're probably sitting at it or above it, and they're an ascending feeder. So when the bait lifts in the fall, we have to get our head around what baits to present to them. And that's why late fall, that jerk bait comes back into play too. You know, they're looking up at it. It looks like a big bait fish. Excellent. Now, how about uh, weeds and pads and things like that as uh, as they start to die off or, you know, not getting the light penetration that they were getting? You know, what do we do in the fall with, with those scenarios? So the best scenarios on the planet is a bladed jig in lily pads that are starting to die or a spinnerbait. People think, man, those things are starting to die off. Those bass will leave them, not pads. I've caught them out of brown ones in the spring that, are, that were last year's. So it's vertical cover with that flat part on the top, and they just love them. And whether it's windy or not or whatever, and the, you, I think in that deal, you kind of want to make sure the bait is still using it and back around there, but it's just cover. You know, they just like it. Now, with regard to 
vegetation type, you know, milfoil and that type of thing. I start to get pretty spooked fishing that brown. Tobacco cabbage is different. That's brown in nature. Mm-hmm. But some of these other weeds, as they start to die off, that, that spooks me. I kind of get away from it. I don't, I might have guys debate me on that one, but late fall when the weeds start to die off other than lily pads i i I get a little spooked on that i kind of move out of that okay so now in the shallower areas and sometimes this can be still five six you know four to six feet deep uh, some of these places have only grass and the grass doesn't ever seem to totally die off it seems like it's green almost all year round is there uh same thing in in the grass a bladed jig or a spinnerbait or what do you do in those places the bladed jig, the spinnerbait, the big square bill over the tops of them could be the best way to catch them. And then another really effective way to fish grass year round, especially if it's not super thick, believe it or not, is a is a drop shot when you hide the hook. Like owner makes a hook called a cover shot. And you can hide the point of that hook, and a lot of people don't do that. And you can pitch that thing in there. The tungsten's going to get you down. You can feel hard bottom with it, which is critical a lot of times. And grass on hard bottom is really good. But you don't hang up, and it's something they're not seeing, and they'll bite it, and it just works really good. So don't be afraid to try that. Um, and then, so, so your square bill, your bladed jig, obviously your top water over the top of that stuff in the, in, in the right conditions is great. And then, uh, you know, you can get at them with the shaky head of the drop shot too, as long as you keep that hook hidden. Excellent. I had some uh, listeners who recently uh, asked me, a, a couple different listeners asked me about, we talk about lures, we talk about this, and but they're live bait guys, you know, and, and crappie and bass, that's what they're fishing. They're fishing live bait. Any tips for live bait in the fall uh, and, and what you would do there? I know you and I don't throw it a lot, but uh, any, do you do anything with crappies with live bait? I love the question, Dave, because it's the same analogy we gave with the plastic. The big thing about live bait, I'm assuming they're talking about minnows. Some people go to wax worms late fall and fish ice jigs, believe it or not, even mm-hmm. open water. But the big thing is placement. Where do you put that thing? And it's it, in, the, in the fall, always start high. And, and whether it's a minnow dorsal hooked or nose hooked under a slip bobber, whether you're pitching it, it doesn't matter. Start on the top of that cover. It could be a, it could be a horizontal laydown. Don't go to the bottom and drag it along. Fish over the top of that. You'll be surprised how many times a big crappie, you'll see them take it. And why are they up high? They're up high because the bait is in the top part of the water column all over the lake. So when they get out off that tree, hunt for bait fish or whatever, they're used to being up high in the water column, more so than they are in the spring. So I think that placement would be the biggest thing. Well, by placement, we mean where do we want to start with our strategy in presenting the bait, regardless of cover? Um, now, late, late, late fall when that water gets cold, that theory's done and they're deep. We got to go to pre-ice fishing patterns, late fall patterns. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about more those days when you see the birds flying behind the boats. Excellent. Oh, always good information. And uh, I'm glad that, you know, we get these questions from people and, and uh, ask about different things because they're, they're listening, but sometimes we're, we're giving them information that they haven't learned how to use yet. And I think sometimes we need to remember that. But uh, always appreciate you being on the podcast, Dan. Thanks for being on. Thanks so much for having me, Dave. Appreciate oh, it. No problem. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment was brought to you by St. Croix, The best rods on earth. We will be right back. Probably one of the number one questions I get, you know, what line do I use? That's a big debate. For every tour out there, everybody's debating which line. I choose the simple side. My choice of line is sunline. My favorite lines to use is sunline. How all can you use it? Anywhere you want to. Anywhere there's water and bass, it's good. Walleye, catfish, trout, speckled trout, sharks. There we go. Uh, I don't say this unless I think it's true, but honestly, it's the best in the market. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod.
Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Starley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. And I said last week that everybody that uh, comes on this segment has a passion for the outdoors. I didn't get all the questions that I wanted to ask Hank Shaw done last week, so we brought him back this week, and I appreciate him being back. He is an award-winning chef and wild uh, foods expert. He's a hunter, an angler, a forager. He does all these great things. And I I like that he's a conservationist and, and appreciates clean waters. And uh, uh, welcome back to the uh, podcast, Hank. I'm glad to have you here. Thanks. Thanks. Good to talk to you again. Oh, no problem. You know, we, uh, we got to talking about so many different uh, things, you know, recipes and uh, eating the fins of a small fish that tastes like potato chips and cooking uh, the, the bone skeleton and and how good that can be. And, and, you know, we still had things to do, things to ask. And I love the names of, of your books. I, I mean, the Hook, Line, and Supper. And what do you have? Duck, Duck, Goose, uh, Buck, Buck, Moose? Yeah, I got Duck, Duck, Goose, Buck, Buck, Moose, and Pheasant Coil Cottontail. Yeah, see, that that's all that's all great. And, and I, uh, I, I think... Um, the information contained in those can be so useful to people. We talked about the fact that uh, many people don't clean uh, fish or don't know how to do it. And you said the whole beginning of your uh, hook, line, and supper tells people how to do that in, in detail. And and I hope people will will learn how to uh, debone pike by taking out the Y bone. And it, it once you do a few, it's not that hard, is it? Exactly. I mean, it's uh, you'll mess a few up, but you know, like I know how to debone a shad, which is uh, you know, deboning the American shad is one of the hardest tricks that you can do in all of fishing. And even I, having done it many, 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 many times, I'll still mess up the first two fish of the year, and then you'll get it. But so, you know, I mean, just don't beat yourself up if you mess up a fillet the first couple times. No, you got to you got to wreck a few to get perfect. So a shad, I've never had that. How do they taste? They're wonderful. Um, they're in. They're like the world's largest herring. Okay. But the meat is whiter and less uh, and less fishy. And but the, unfortunately, they've got two sets of Y bones, mm. so you've got to get both of those out. And it's it's a trick that pretty much only people in the Northeast know how to do. <laughs> Are they oily at all? A little oily, a little. like oily in a good way. Okay. So it's hard to say. There's not a lot that's similar to them in the Midwest, um, but they would be a little bit like a Spanish mackerel. Okay. All right. Uh, is there a difference in cooking freshwater or saltwater fish? I mean, sort of. I think the only thing that you have in saltwater that you don't have in freshwater is the diversity of texture and oil contents. So for the most part, freshwater fish tend to be lean and white. And there are a few exceptions. Obviously, there's trout and, you know, there are, you know, there's lakers and and sometimes uh, freshwater drum can be oily. But in general, you know, you're very you're pretty much dealing with lean white fish. Now, one thing that's really kind of fascinating about freshwater fish is they lack a particular enzyme that saltwater fish have that makes saltwater fish stink when they're when they're off mm. so i have had freshwater fish that was it wasn't good it was it, it had gone by but because it lacks that enzyme it does not stink like old fish and we cooked it and it was like whoa this is two days past its prime but fresh so that's that's one of the interesting things about freshwater fish is that um, they keep longer in the fridge because they live in warmer water, and they will also they can also get by you, but without you noticing sometimes. Okay, yeah, that, and that makes sense. But I I think I said last week that I I like to catch fish that day and eat them, and I, I normally don't take too many. I'll, I'll pan fish, and then where we're at, I'm in northern Illinois. We get the, the opportunity to ice fish, and boy, you, when you're fishing and you throw them on the ice and you take them home and you almost got to thaw them out a little before you fillet them, there's nothing better than that. They've, that's about as fresh as it gets, isn't it? 
Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think the, the the issue though is is you're lucky and I'm lucky. We can go fishing whenever we want. Um, but there are you know there's lots of people listening to this who they only get to fish five times a year or ten times a year. So you're gonna want to catch what you catch and learn how to freeze it properly. That's that's true too. And and is that detailed in the book on freezing? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I worked. I, it's very important. I've worked commercially as a commercial fisherman in Alaska, and so fish. Fish quality and fish prep is super, super important from the moment the fish comes over the rail. And, and I go through all the ins and outs of, of all the different kinds of fish and what you, what you need to know and, and, uh, and to have the best experience at the table. Excellent. Uh, do you have a favorite fish to, to catch and also to eat? And is, is that the same fish? Um, you know, it's really hard for me to answer that question because I love so many different kinds of fish. Uh, I mean, I love... I love eating walleye. Like walleye would be the best example of a fish that I love to eat that I, that's kind of boring to catch. Yeah. Um, and then you have fish like, like Marlin and you know, I like Marlin. We they eat it in Mexico when, mm-hmm. cause if it basically, if you fish Marlin in Mexico and their Marlin is spent out or it's going to get eaten by a shark, they pull it over the rail and they eat it and smoke it and it's okay. Um, but I'd rather, you know, catch a Marlin and eat a Marlin. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I really love yellowtail. Yellowtail is a jack. It lives in, su- in Southern California. And it's one of the best um, fish to eat raw. So like ceviche or? Uh, yes, raw? exactly. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, I, I've vacationed in Cabo for many, many years. So I think down in Southern California now, you have many of the fish that used to be in Cabo and now they're up in California. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they're still in Cabo. They're still in Cabo. Oh, yeah. They, they spread up way up north. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, uh, you also do game. You also, uh, you know, the uh, buck, buck, moose, and duck, duck, goose, and the, and uh, you know the uh, rabbits, quail, all the all that stuff. That uh, it, is there a difference in cooking? I mean, the fish in the, the game has got to be be a different. Um, uh, you know, most most of the wild games. Um, with some exceptions, you, you don't want to overcook. I think, is that a, a something that, that you find uh, that people do or? Well, it's sort of different in the sense that it, with game, and this is, this is true to, with fish, but it's a bit more subtle when you're dealing with fish. Um, but with game, most beginners will cook the tender parts too much and the tough parts too little. So they'll overcook, say, a backstrap of a deer, but they'll undercook a shoulder and then they'll wonder why the shoulder's not edible. And it's just because you didn't give it enough time. Mm. And if you give it enough time, it's going to fall off the bone and be unbelievably tender. And, and until people kind of get that, they're like, well, the shanks are not edible or the neck is not edible or, or the, the legs of a turkey are not edible. And all of them are, are actually better than the breast or the back strap if you know what you're doing. And, and it's just a question of time. Yeah, a lot of times I'll uh, I'll actually make the stew meat out of the shoulders off my deer because you're going to cook it all day or or, mm-hmm. or quite a while, and it, it is quite tender. And and uh, uh, yeah, I uh, we eat a lot of wild game in my house, being an outdoorsman. My wife did not come from an outdoor family, so uh, it was an introduction to her. But uh, she eats it and she likes it. And uh, I think uh, after you start eating, you know, free range venison or anything else that's out there elk or anything else that you would would hunt you um sometimes store-bought meat tastes different it is i don't miss a ton of the only thing i miss on in in terms of venison versus beef i miss i miss skirt steak Mm. um i miss um oxtail and i miss beef cheek like the these are all kind of esoteric cuts but there are cuts on a, on a cow that you really don't get with, with a deer or an elk, but almost everything else, that you, you can get it off an elk or a deer or a moose, um, and it's going to be every bit as good, if not better, than beef. Yeah, yeah, and, and, uh, and people don't realize that. Now, we want to make sure that we uh, give the information on how to get your, your wonderful books, including your, your new one, Hook, Line, and Supper. Why don't you give that... Uh, information again and you said last week that the best place to probably obtain it was amazon or any bookstores but you uh there's a website too or a uh exactly exactly yeah so i mean if, if you need it fast and you want it fast nobody i don't think anybody can get amazon and I, I sure can't on my own website but i sell signed cookbooks on my website which is huntgathercook.com 
and there's a little cookbooks uh, tab that you'll see, and uh, and every one of those books is signed, and I will uh, and I'll send them out to you myself actually. Excellent, excellent. Now, the uh, hook, line, and supper is fish. The other books, you got wild game. Uh, is there cleaning uh, chapters on that too about what to do once you, if you harvest a duck or you harvest a deer? Is there some of that in there too? Absolutely. Every single one of the books, they're all kind of structurally the same. Like the beginning is taking you from the the moment the animal hits the ground or the fish comes over the rail all the way to the, the freezer and is oh, that's the beginning section of all of these books. And then the second sections of them are all the, the techniques and the recipes and how to use pretty much all of it. Excellent. And, and one, one thing that I, I, uh, this, this is always kind of an advocacy segment that Calcutta sponsors. And one thing I, I, think a lot of people don't realize is the sportsmen out there, the hunter, the fishermen, we are the uh, conservationists of this country. We want clean, accessible waters. We want places to be good if people just want to kayak in them or bike in them or walk through and watch birds and, and all of that. But the, the sportsmen, uh, we don't just take care of these things because we want to harvest them. We take care of them because we uh, we want them to be there for future generations. And I got that from reading the information out of you that, that you're that person also. Totally. I mean, I'm a life member of Quail Forever, life member of California Waterfowl Association. And I mean, hunters, hunters and anglers are, we put our money where our mouths are and not every other group that uses the outdoors does that. And it's, it's important to, you know, even just buying your license and ammunition for hunting helps, helps with conservation because the taxes on those go to habitat, but find a group that does what you're interested in. So if you're a duck hunter, there's duck organizations. And if you're quail hunter, there's quail forever. And there's the, there's the, uh, the, it's the CAA, the, the coastal, um, the coastal Alliance, isn't it? Yeah, I believe it is. Yep. Yes. And, and, uh, I mean, Trout Unlimited is another one. So. Sure. There's so many groups out there that you can do the wild Turkey Federation. Now, there, yeah. Um, and, and it's all good. It's all, all, uh, good things and and uh you know that's that's why we have these wonderful places to hunt and fish and and gather and and uh, why we like it and uh uh god unfortunately we've we've uh, run out of time again but but hank shaw i would uh love to have you on you write another book i want to make sure i i know about it i'm going to follow you and in uh, uh we have not had anybody on that was a chef and took this uh, passion and, and love of the outdoors and turned it into how to cook them, how to prepare them, how to clean them, all of this in, in one. And I appreciate uh, you being on the podcast. Thank you. Well, I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, and yeah, we'll definitely, let's let's wet a line at some point. There you go. That sounds excellent. Thank you. Uh, that was Hank Shaw. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta. We're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Petula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. 
Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Surly. My partner Dave Kranz is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. And if you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. Big event over the past week, and, and hot off the presses, we've got the winner of a very, very major tournament. Just a few hours after he stood on the stage being handed the, not the trophy, but the, the, the gold. I'll tell you what that is in a minute. And, and a check for an incredible amount of money, $205,000 to be exact. He is the winner of the Major League Fishing Tackle Warehouse title. Presented by Mercury, a huge tournament on uh, the Mississippi River out of La Crosse, Wisconsin. Please welcome the winner, Jimmy Washam. Hey, Jimmy, how you doing? I'm great, Steve. How are you? I'm doing quite fine. Uh, you know, you hear that $205,000. How many times do you have to hear that before it sinks in and you realize it's really happening and your bank account's a little bit fatter than it was uh, a week ago? I guess it's uh, at least one more than I've than I've heard it already because it's definitely not uh, sank sank in yet. It's uh, I'm still just kind of riding the high, I guess, and uh, I'm sure it'll kick in in the next day or two. Oh, I, I, I'm laughing. You know, I, I didn't realize that it, that was a, a two hundred thousand dollar plus tournament. Uh, so used to watching the, the the major league fishing Bass Pro events, and they got a hundred thousand dollars to the winner. Uh, you know, I talked to Jacob Wheeler a week ago about his $100,000 win. I go, man, I wish I had him on again this week. I'd say, hey, Jacob, that's just chump change. You got to go fish that title and collect 200 like uh, Jimmy Washington did. That's real money. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that, that's definitely a big purse. That's the biggest purse I've ever finished for. And so, you know, to be blessed with the opportunity and then to be able to execute and win it, it's Really, something special. It's an amazing week, without a doubt. I, I know nothing about you, Jimmy Washam. What? Give us the the stats. How old are you? Are you married? Kids? Any of that stuff? I'm 34 years old. I've been married to my wife Danielle for five years. We have one uh, boy that is going to turn four uh, next month in September. So he loves to fish, and uh, we're an outdoor family, and uh, live in West Tennessee, uh, and Definitely, a, you know, a fishing and outdoor family. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, Covington, Covington, Tennessee, uh, uh, hour, hour and a half north of Memphis? No, it's, it's very close to Memphis. It's uh, 30 to 45 minutes, uh, depending on traffic. Excellent. And, and you are a, uh, you're a law enforcement officer? Yes, sir. I'm a deputy sheriff for the Tipton County Sheriff's Office. Well, I thank you for your service in that. That is a... Uh, a hard job and uh, getting harder all the time, and uh, and I, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes. And unfortunately, I think that those shoes are going to be harder and harder to fill because following everything in the newspapers, you know, it's a job that I think a lot of people are thinking uh, twice about. It used to be, hey, being a cop's a great job. Now it's like, I don't know about that anymore. So you know, I give you I give you a pat on the back for sticking sticking with it and and helping society doing by doing what you do. Thank you, I appreciate that. I'm proud to serve. You're very very welcome. When did you decide to become a professional fisherman? Well, I dreamed of it since I was literally a baby, um, watching you know the 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 old school fishing shows from the legends on on TNN Outdoors. And, been a dream of mine for my entire life and uh, really I, I, as I began fishing the BFLs and then moved I, I kept progressing and moving up to the boater side and then moved into the Toyota series on the boater side and every time I found success I would move forward and uh, it, I guess it became a reality that I you know had the ability and the means and the, and the you know the the talent uh if i put it all together in the right way to actually make my dream come true in 2018 i qualified through the toyota series in 2019 and so it's a very short quick road um 2020 last year was my pro circuit 
rookie year. Do, do you feel like uh, do you kick yourself sometime for waiting as long as you did? I don't. Uh, I have a and everybody, every angler. That's that's the neat thing about our sport. We all have a unique story. Uh, the way that I had to go about my approach to professional fishing, I, I have fished club tournaments out of my little bass tracker since I was 20 years old. But I played baseball in college when I, I got injured and lost my scholarship that I had through uh, you know through baseball and had to had to quit college where you know where I was at at that point and go to work. I worked at Bass Pro Shops. I had to literally work my way up. Um, you know, I got great parents that have supported me and always taken care of me, but they didn't have the means to support a, you know, a entryway into a, a sport that can be so, you know, uh, financially waiting on you. So uh, I just, you know, went to work, had a, an old beat up truck and a, a little aluminum boat and fished. And every time I'd win money, I'd put it in the bank. Um, and slowly progressed my way up and it, it took a while but what I'm thankful for is the fact that I started from that point and it really wasn't very long ago that I was at that point so I I think it's given me the ability to appreciate and really uh, consume and, and enjoy and be thankful for uh, you know for success at this level excellent good explanation and I, I had read something that said uh, 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 Jimmy Washam uh, started started at a later age. I'm going, geez, the, the guy's already a veteran with uh, with the championships under his belt, and he's 34 years old. He he's a kid. He didn't start late. Uh, <laughs> I, I swear to God, the media expects everybody to be Jordan Lee and win right out of college, uh, and I think that's expecting a little too much. I think at, for 34 years old, you're in a great place in your life. Absolutely, I, you know I'm blessed to to be healthy and I've got a, an incredible drive and motivation to be successful in this career because I'm, I'm I, I feel like I've the, the door has opened for, for me to be able to establish longevity in this sport and and hopefully have a long successful career at living living my dream I agree and, I, uh, yeah. and, and I knew that that it would it would take a lot of hard work and some quick success to be able to establish that and uh, thank God that's what I've been able to do you won a tournament in February on the legendary Lake Gunnersville, and uh, that was a heck of a way to start out your year. And that was, I believe, it was about a fifty-six thousand dollar payday. And uh, I, I look at that, that, and this this has put you in, in 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 good shape for the year. You know, starting out with fifty-six k. Did you ever think that you would have just trumped that so much? I, I never did. It's funny. I was, uh, we were taking care of some, some media stuff this morning, and uh, one of the media guys from Major League Fishing mentioned, said, Oh, yeah, and you won a Toyota Series event this year. <laughs> Honestly, I had forgotten about it. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been, it's certainly been overshadowed by, by what I was, I had the blessing to accomplish yesterday. And um, I mean, that right there, it, it, that came at a very crucial time because. With COVID, I went into this year, and one week before I left for the season pro circuit season opener at Lake Okeechobee, I lost my title sponsor. I had to take a, a perfectly good wrap off my boat and went into the season with not very much financial support and wondering how in the world I was going to afford it. And then I, I leave from Okeechobee, drove straight to Gunnersville for the Toyota Series and, and won that event. So that came at an unbelievable time, just removed it. Uh, incredible burden from me and then to have this you know happen to close the year out it's 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 hard for me to find words for it that's for hey, sure hey, you know what it, it, it's funny because people don't realize that that that's uh, pretty darn expensive to wrap a boat and when that sponsor drops you they don't pay you to take their name off that that's on you and it's not like you got another sponsor sitting there waiting in the wings to, to fill it out, you know, to fill the spot. So that that's a brutal uh, punishment. Didn't even really think about it until until you mentioned it. But I got to figure whoever it was that dropped you is kicking themselves in the tail right now that uh, they wish they would have waited another year to see where things went, huh? 
Yeah, and of course, I, I don't have any uh, negative words for them. They, it was just a position that a lot of businesses have been put in through the, the strains and the uncertainties of the times that we're living in today. But uh, I, I, I would think that, that, you know, they've recognized an, an opportunity that they missed out on, but that's, you know, there's no, there's no spite or animosity there whatsoever. They, they had to make a decision and, uh, you know, and I unfortunately was a victim of that, but, uh, you know, that's uh, the blessing from that is that after that Toyota series win, I acquired two new partners that I ended up, it, it's crazy how, um, you know, how the, the story ends sometimes. It's never like you, you see it unfolding, but I ended up with more partnership support after that event than I had prior to losing that sponsor. So the um, Lord works in mysterious ways. Excellent. Hey, uh, as long as we're on the subject, uh, how about you give a mention or two to some of your sponsors that help uh, get you on the water and keep you on the water? The, the partner that filled in as my title immediately after losing the, the original partner, that was Midway Marine from Fulton, Mississippi. Uh, they've, and they've, it's the second year that I've been partnered with them, and they have just... Uh, really really become like family really take good care uh -huh. of a great dealership uh, profound outdoors I, I won the, the Gunnersville Toyota Series event on a, a Azuma Shaker Z which is a, a member of the profound outdoors lure lineup and that's just a bait that I've always had confidence in and caught a lot of fish on no affiliation whatsoever until after that event that's a, a company that Timmy Horton Outdoors the founder and owner of and he uh uh, approached me after the event and, and we built a partnership there and then rockfish gloves fishing gloves i was wearing those fishing gloves to begin the season and wearing them at gunnersville and uh, they also uh, we acquired a partnership with them right after that event so uh, those were you know to to go from the low of losing what you felt like was your primary support and your way of making a living at this sport for the season. And then to go from the low of losing that to the high of acquiring two new partners was, was really something. Oh, I can imagine. That is excellent. Hey, as long as we're talking about sponsors, I'd like to let uh, We Fish ASA sponsors have a word. We're going to stick a couple of commercials in here, take a break. When we come back, Jimmy Washam, Covington, Tennessee. He's driving home with a $200,000 check in his pocket, headed home to his wife and young son uh, to, you know, bask in the uh, adoration of uh, his lovely family when he gets home uh, after a long drive down to Tennessee. This is We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley, and we will be right back with more Jimmy Washam after this. You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won, probably four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube. But I had completely gotten away from flipping a tube because nobody, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this new tour series of baits. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs on to it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Petula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. We Fish ASA is back. I am Steve Sarley. Dave Kranz is my partner, but he is remote. 
Please remember that We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Uh, check us out on social media. We're, we're easy enough to find. Send us messages. We love your mail. So uh, talk to us. We're waiting for you to contact us. Uh, somebody who I was happy to contact was uh, Jimmy Washam, who won the Major League Fishing Tackle Warehouse title presented by Mercury just this past weekend. He did a great job on the uh, Mississippi River out of uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin. And uh, just, you know, he, 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 did, he did the job, and he's, he's with us. Uh, how surprised were you with how things were going to change once you won this thing? I mean, your phone had to be ringing off the hook, uh, you know, text messages, voicemail, email. Uh, everybody wants to talk to you. There's more interest in Jimmy Washam than there probably was ever before. Am I correct? Yes, sir, absolutely. You know, the, the victory that I had at the beginning of the season on a much, much smaller scale uh, with that Toyota Series win, it it, it really prepared me for uh, a, kind of an understanding or a preparation of what I had coming because, I, I you know, I had a lot of media opportunity and, and uh, you know, a, a, a few doors that opened after that event. So I, I was prepared for what would come with the title it's just about uh it seems like a hundredfold um i know i've got uh you know we're here about 26 hours after i've been announced the title champion or 27 hours and i've still got 200 text messages on my phone i haven't answered and i've got uh, messages on social media you know a lot of those are, are business messages not just just congrats from friends and family so um you know there's, there's a lot of opportunity there and, and i'm I'm one that certainly understands that the business side of this, uh, making a living in this industry is as important as catching fish. So I want to make sure that I take advantage of and maximize all of those. So yeah, you, the hard work has not ended for you, sure. You got, you got that figured out. You, you do that. And you know what? If, uh, if you had not finished first, uh, you would be home already. You, you, you would have got in the truck yesterday and driven the 11 hours or whatever and, and, and gotten home. But you're a, a whole day later. What uh, what expectations does Major League Fishing put on you being a winner? You, you know, they weren't going to let you get in a truck and leave. You had things to do for them today, right? Absolutely. You know, immediately after the event, the Major League Fishing has a, a great uh, television broadcast of our events, and that's the way that that's made possible. Is there's a lot of hard work behind the scenes that you really don't understand you know from the outside looking in but we had to uh, do several interviews just to, to help wind down and close out the, the TV show that will be aired later this year for the title um, from there there was a lot of partnerships uh, there you know with with equipment on my boat from Mercury Engines Powerful Lowrance a lot of those products that I had to do quick videos with and then today uh, Major League Fishing even back in the FLW days um, and, and now we're still doing it. it has a program called day five uh that you know a, a video series that, that they run on the the champion of their regular season events and their championship and uh so today we went and kind of did a uh highlight on how i caught my fish and really went in depth with it and i i didn't get in the truck and start driving home today until roughly 3 p.m so it's uh you know there's a lot of work that you don't really realize just from the outside looking in. I say I say that all the time. Everybody thinks you guys just fish for a couple days and take a couple weeks off and then fish for a couple days. Uh-uh, nothing <laughs> like that at all. Nothing like that at all. Talking about messages and stuff, I, my mind was blown. Uh, shortly after you won it, I saw a shout-out to you on social media uh, from a guy who congratulated you and seemed to be exceptionally happy for your win and that was a fellow Tennessee resident, Jacob Wheeler. Uh, he said, hey, congrats to Jimmy Washam, who won this thing, and got great, really happy for him. And I said, wow, how, how nice is that to see the, the, maybe the best fisherman in the world right now reach out to you and congratulate you like that. I know it made me really happy. You know, I, like I said, I haven't been able to uh, sit down and even chip into catching up on all the social media so i was unaware of that but uh 
that is pretty special to to hear that. And there's that there have been a, several anglers that have texted me and and called me and and you know names that that mean a whole lot to me. You know, not only because they've accomplished great things in the sport, but because they're good people. So yeah, uh, that's just another one to add to the list, and that that is pretty special. Yeah, I, I, it blew my mind when I saw that because I, I mean he would. He was obviously watching it because it was just very, very shortly after it was final. You know, I said, "Hey, that's so cool." Right, you know, you said before you you you, you grew up watching uh, watching the, the the guys on television. Who who were the guys that impressed you the most when you were young and getting into this? Well, Bill Dance, Roland Martin, Hank Parker, uh, and Orlando Wilson. They were my my top four. You know that. They, there was a, a TV run on Saturday morning where you could watch them all, and I I can remember sitting in the living room and uh, you know with my with my fishing pole and pretending like I was fishing in the you know the the Bassmasters Classic back. That's all we had back then, and, and uh, you know the the just the the pure professional competition and, and bass fishing, and and then. Uh, fast forward a few years down the road, and here I am with the title belt in the back seat of the truck, headed home. So that's uh, that's something really special. Hey, you know what? I, I saw I saw a lot of those guys down at ICAST in Orlando, Florida, and uh, uh, Roland Martin still guiding occasionally, which blows my mind. That you know, Bill Dance is still doing TV and fishing, and Bill Dance turned eighty this year. So you got forty six more years of this man. Yeah, that's that's really something. And, and Bill, uh, you know, we're both from the Memphis area, and I actually saw Bill, unfortunately, at a funeral from uh, a Dennis Demos funeral, a, a big name in the fishing industry, yeah. years and years ago, a, an iconic name with Ranger boats. And uh, but I, I saw Bill there, and and he, at 80 years old, is still the life of the party. He just <laughs> has, he has that personality. It's it's genuine when you see him on TV and, um, you know, you think maybe, well, he's just really gotten good at being Bill Dance on TV. That's not the case. That's that's who he is. Oh, that's Bill, that's Bill Dance. Yeah, there's no act there. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's a treat to to share his presence for sure. There is, there is no act. All right, that is that is very cool. All right, now the, the thing here is I see a lot of pictures. Guys win tournaments. Uh, they win Bassmaster Elite or, uh, you know, uh, Bassmaster Classic or a, a, a Bass Pro Tour on Major League Fishing, they get a big trophy, a typical trophy. You don't get that when you win this title championship. You get a belt. It's like a professional wrestling championship belt. I think that is incredibly cool. You, you'd be wearing that thing out and around Covington? You know, I, I made a joke with the media guys this morning. I said, of course, everybody that's handled it has been shocked at how heavy it is. I mean, it's it's genuine leather. It's it's a it's 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 pretty serious. And I made the joke, you know, because of my profession, that I needed to get a leather six shooter holster and, and put on it and, and wear it around town. So uh, they they got a you know a good kick out of that one. But but yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely unique and it's you know it's it's own way to be a belt and not a trophy and uh um, I'm, I'm sure proud to have it i have no idea where i'm going to put it in the house i might just just wear it around there there you go you know if, if you went out to a restaurant with your wife and you carried a trophy with you they'd all think you were just arrogant you know and showing off if you wear the belt out to a restaurant you gotta wear a belt you know your pants are gonna fall down what's the matter of wearing the belt that's right. That's right. Are, are you a wrestling fan by chance? Stop. Are, are you a wrestling fan by chance? You know, I, I watched that uh, WWE, WWF when I was a, a kid, but I'm not going to say that I, I necessarily followed it tremendously. But, you know, a lot of the old iconic names, I can remember my dad taking me at Memphis. You know, it was a, a great place for wrestling. And seeing people like Ric Flair, uh, you know, and, and the, the old school names, I guess. <laughs> well, I think that I think that I think that is cool. I think that is definitely cool. I can't let you go without asking. How did you uh, How did you figure out this water up at Lacrosse? 
And uh, what techniques and baits did you use to put the fish in the boat that won you $205,000? Well, I'll tell you, it's it's extremely complex if we go into, into great detail because what we had was a, a fishery that was changing every hour, it seemed like, especially every day. And, with, and the format that we fished with a day on, a day off, a day on, a day off, it spread out and it, you know, anywhere, any time of the year, you're going to have changes that occur, but especially this week with fluctuating river levels, uh, it really changed the fishery. But uh, the, the key players for me, um, depending on the weather and, and the day were uh, starting out, how I made it to championship day were uh, walking bait, uh, an Azuma Popper Z, uh-huh. a, a Black Bass Tackle Industries buzz bait, uh, those three surface lures were very important. Um, one, the the morning of uh, day two, I had to uh, pull a shaky head out of the rod box, and, and that's how I caught them. Um, on day three, uh, let's see, it's, it all runs together. <laughs> Unfortunately, the the way that we were, you know, uh, on and off on day three, uh, it was a top water situation schooling fish that really got to where they were eating small bait um and then the end of day three is when i found that the the school that i said it reminded me of of like back home around the tennessee river um they were all big fish grouped up eating big shad i found that school fish with a walking bait and caught a five and a four and a quarter at the end of the knockout round which i I say that, you know, if I had found that school earlier in the week, I probably would have had a difficult time managing them. But to find them right before the end of the knockout round, I mean, the afternoon before championship day, and to be able to catch two out of it and know I had the weight that I needed to advance to the next day, weights reset, uh, and then have the confidence to go to that school fish and know there was more there, uh, that was the ticket. And then on championship day, I had to – uh, I started out with a walking bait and, and caught a, a few, you know, quality fish off of off of that place. And then we got a high sun and, and not much wind. And those fish, I think, felt my presence. I ended up going to a Nico rig, which I hadn't thrown all week, but it just felt right at the time. It was something I could fish in that area without getting hung. And as soon as I made that adjustment, uh, I, I saw the results and I was able to just slowly pick those fish off and catch a key fish about every 45 minutes or an hour and, and upgrade my weight to what I ended up weighing in. Unbelievable. Great, great explanation. Uh, you're a heck of a fisherman, Jimmy Washam. You you really proved it uh, uh, twice, two, two big wins this year. Uh, your bank account's growing fat. Your trophy cabinet's getting got to be getting uh, an addition put on it. Uh you got a great, you got a great family, wife, wife and a son, and everything's everything's pointing up. All the arrows are pointing up for Jimmy Washam. I enjoyed talking to you, and I can't wait to do it again. And I'm sure it will be soon because you're a hot stick, and I know you're going to win more, and you're going to win more quickly. Well, I sure do appreciate it, Steve. Thank you so much for the opportunity and the time, and uh, look forward to hopefully doing this again soon. Excellent, absolutely excellent, Jimmy. Washam. He's the winner of the Major League Fishing Tackle Warehouse title presented by Mercury, $205,000. He just took the boat out of the water. He's headed home for a well-deserved rest. Jimmy Washam. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guest, Dan Johnston from St. Croix, Hank Shaw, chef extraordinaire, talking about his new book. And then uh, I visited with uh, Jimmy Washam, Covington, Tennessee, Tackle Warehouse champion, the title champion, Major League Fishing, $205,000. He ruled it on the Mississippi River out of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Jimmy Washam. We'll hear from more from him in the future. Uh, I'd like to thank our sponsor, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. And Daiwa, take a look at that lineup. Find me a better lineup. You're not going to. Don't waste your time. 
Iowa, the best reels you'll ever find. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available everywhere you hear podcasts, and don't forget to check it out at our website, wefishasa.com. If you like what you hear, let us know. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or somebody you think we ought to have on the show, let us know that too. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week now. Let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.